We're in James chapter 1. If you have your Bible, why don't you turn there with me? James chapter 1. Now, I want to begin by saying that I believe that some of the most amazing people on the planet are the great listeners. People who listen well when you speak. To me, they're some of the, they are some of the best people and the greatest people on the planet. People who, when they listen to you, they focus. They're not easily distracted. People who, when they sit there and listen to you, do not interrupt you. People who don't want to finish your sentence, and more often than not, they don't finish it correctly. Some of the greatest people on the planet are the people who are wonderful listeners. I have a handful of those people in my life, and I consider myself incredibly blessed because of those people. I think some of you know exactly who I'm talking about because you have a great listener in your family. You have a great listener who's a close friend. You have a great listener who may even be a colleague or a coworker with you. And one of the reasons that you appreciate them so deeply is because there is something so affirming when a person listens to you, isn't there? It's like for them at that moment, you are the most important person on the planet. And how can that, that not be unbelievably affirming when people do that? I have had lunch typically or breakfast. Again, I have some people in my life. My own wife is a really good listener, by the way. And I have people in my life, maybe this has happened to you, where I'll finish a lunch with somebody and I will look at them as we wrap up our lunch together. And guess who has done almost all the talking? Yeah. And I will say, I am so grateful for your wisdom. I am so grateful for the insight you gave me. And often that person will say to me, you know, Jeff, I barely talked. I asked you a couple questions, but I think you kind of figured it out yourself. And isn't that one of the beautiful things about great listeners? They let you kind of process yourself and often come, often discover yourself some wonderful truths that God wants to teach you. Well, what our passage this morning is about, James chapter 1, 19 to 27, that's our text, is about being biblical listeners. It's so valuable that we listen to other people. It's so much more valuable that we listen to God. Amen? We need to listen to the Lord. We need to listen to him through his word. We need to listen to him through wise, godly people. And we need to sit quietly and listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. We do. And so I love this passage. I'm so grateful I get to share some thoughts from this passage with you about being a biblical listener and how incredibly practical it is. Okay? James 1, I'm going to go ahead and pick up in verse 19. Here's what it says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. 
everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And I'm going to put a a period there because we're going to be looking at three different incredible truths about biblical listening this morning. And I'm going to give you the first one, and I simply am calling it attentive listening. Attentive listening. Be quick to listen. You know, when I read that, what that says to me is be eager to listen. Be eager to listen. Be in a posture and essentially on the alert as a listener is very much what the the passage is saying. Sounds like I'm going to be all in. It sounds like when I'm sitting with you, especially when you have something to share, something on your heart, you're going through a difficult time, I'm eager. I'm all in. I'm on the edge of my seat. Be quick to hear. Make that your first impulse when you're with someone. That's pretty powerful and that's pretty challenging. You know, many of us are are guilty of being so easily distracted. Any of you struggle with this? Oh my goodness. You know, hey, we're sitting outside on a beautiful day and you're sharing something tough going on in your life. And I say, did you see that butterfly? Or did you hear that siren? I wonder wonder what's going on with that person. And sometimes maybe you've been in situations like this with people where you're kind of sharing your heart with somebody and they just are distracted by something that seems very insignificant. Now on occasion, it's like, their five-year-old's beating up their three-year-old. And so in that case, you get a pass. You know, that's okay. You can take care of that for a minute or two. And they eventually might come back. Have any of you ever experienced this? Because I experienced this quite a bit. You're talking to somebody, they get really distracted. They come back and I often wait. Do they ask, what were you saying? Or do they go on with something else they want to talk about? Does that ever happen? Do you ever do that? Quick to hear. Quick to hear. My friends, you want to become a very beloved person, somebody who ministers God's grace and gentle love. Be quick to hear. Be eager to listen. And I, go, I know that for so many of us, that is such a, a challenge. <clears throat> it really is. But let's look at that second phrase. Quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to speak. When I read this, here's what I think about. Don't interrupt. Don't interrupt when people are talking to you. Why is it so painfully hard for many of us to not interrupt? You ever think about that? Is that hard for some of us? Here's the bottom line in my life, because I can be an interrupter for sure. 
hey, what I have to say really is more important than what you are saying right now. It just really is more important. What does that sound like? Dude, get over yourself. No, it isn't. It's more important to listen right now. Why do we interrupt? I had an older friend, and he was, this was years ago, so he was probably my age then. But I had an older friend who said, can I tell you why I interrupt all the time? And I go, yeah. He goes, because I know, like I have this thought, and I know that if I wait till you're done, I'll forget it. I thought that was uh, not a good excuse. But I'm understanding that more and more. It's like, I have something so brilliant to say, I'm going to interrupt you. Really? Really? Slow to speak. You know, and when I think about that too, I think about how, um, how often we just need to think before we talk. If I'm slow to speak, better stuff tends to come out of my mouth than impulsive stuff when I'm quick to speak instead of slow to speak. Now, do you see the next phrase? Slow to anger. Like, I get the listen thing and I get the don't talk too much or too quickly. Those make sense. But then he goes on and says, and be slow to anger. So I gave a lot of thought to this. Slow to anger. How does that fit listening well and not talking much? And then I thought about my childhood. Then I thought about the home I grew up in. Some of you know, because I share this often, uh, I'm one of six kids and five of us are boys. I grew up in an intensely competitive home. And here's often what people that grow in homes like, like me say. You know, we debated a lot in my home growing up. We really honed our debate skills a lot. You know what that's code for? All we did was argue. <laughs> we were so competitive verbally. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove my point. I'm going to put you down. I'm going to put you in your place. I'm going to show who's the smartest. That's often what would come out. And maybe that's true in your home right now or other contexts in your life. Slow to anger. I have found in my life that often anger is tied to this being way too quick to speak or interrupt because I want to win, because I want to prove I'm right, because I want to dominate. And if you struggle, you don't have to raise your hand, but any of you struggle with this stuff? I struggle with this. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Because anger doesn't achieve God's righteousness. It just doesn't. That's what he says. Look at verse 21 again with me. With me. I love this. He goes on to say, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Look at this. And humbly accept the word. The word there refers to the gospel. It does. The word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept the word. You know what that means? That means that God's word takes authority over any other word in my life. 
humbly accepted. It's the idea of eagerly, willingly submitted to it. Humbly accept the word. So that's why I said more important than being a great listener to other people, and that's a beautiful gift, is to humbly accept the word of God in our lives. The word implanted, that's such a beautiful picture. It's a picture of a seed in the ground. You know, some of you know the parable of the, the sower or the parable of the soils is what it's often referred to as. The nature of the soil is kind of everything because the seed in that parable, as you know, is, is the same seed. It's the gospel. It's the truth of Jesus Christ. What kind of soil are you? What kind of soil am I? Do we humbly, eagerly accept the word that's planted in us? So vitally important. So I call this attentive listening. Attentive listening. So much value to being an attentive listener in our relationship with others, but even more importantly in our relationship with God as he speaks to us. Attentive listening. Well, let's jump down to verse 22 as the passage continues. Um, James writes this, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like somebody who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Second type of listening James is talking about is active listening active listening. This is very powerful. Merely listening, this is what James is saying, merely listening even to truth, God's truth, merely listening and not doing is self-deception. That's quite an indictment, isn't it? Merely listening and not living out, not acting upon is self-deception deception. You see, just listening to truth, we can become convinced in our mind that we know it and therefore live it just because we've heard it. Do you see how that can be deceptive? Is that why we can read the Bible for decades, why we could sit under excellent Bible teaching for decades in our lives and it doesn't impact how we live? Active listening is acting upon what you hear. That's what James is saying so clearly here. So people say, I've said things like this, I read my Bible every day and we say, great, can I ask you the bigger question? Are you doing what you're reading? I hear other people say things like this. Hey, you know what? I've been in a Bible study this year. Fantastic. Are you doing what you're studying? 
where I hear people say, you know, I go to this wonderful church and I hear really good teaching from God's word and I listen to all these podcasts because I love to be taught and I love to hear God's word. And I say, hey, just a sec, just a second. <laughs> Are you doing what you're hearing? Are you living out what you're hearing? James says that's the bottom line. Now, maybe like you, this is, this is powerfully convicting in my life. You know why? Because <laughs> I like to study the Bible. I like to study the Bible. I like to study scripture. I like to hear teaching from God's word. I like to, to get new insight from scripture and hear people who have great insight into truth. Maybe you do too. And that is such a blessing. But let me say again, here's the deception. We think because we hear it, we automatically live it. We don't. We don't automatically do it if we hear it. And that's why, my dear brothers and sisters, it is incredibly dangerous, I'll say it this bluntly, it is incredibly dangerous, dangerous to read your Bible a lot and hear Scripture a lot and that kind of thing and think you're fine when you're not living it. It's called deception. It's called self-deception. And it's really common among a lot of us believers who love to study God's word or listen to people teach God's word. And that's what James is making so powerful to us. You know, I can say I love to study the Bible and Jesus says to me, do you love doing the Bible? <laughs> Are you equally or more committed to living what you read, to living what you're taught and I think some of the deception for me comes, I can sit or I can study and I can hear God's word and it touches me emotionally and it challenges me and I believe that Holy Spirit may even be bringing conviction to my heart and I leave and by the time I'm getting in my car in the parking lot, it's like, what was that we talked about today? Or I go home thinking that because I heard something really good and true from God's word and the spirit of God has been deeply challenging me with that and yet nothing changes. Nothing changes in my life. James, it couldn't be more clear. <laughs> be hearers. Be doers. Part one, hear it, God's word. Part two, Live it, live it, do it. And some of you say, but that's the hard part. You think? That's the hard part. Oh my goodness. You better believe it is. God is so good. He is so gracious. Do you know how much God, do you know how much our Father loves it when we say, Lord, I am ready to live it. Help me, help me, help me. Help me to overcome this sin. Help me overcome this temptation I am struggling with so deeply in my life. Help me to speak words that are so much kinder and full of grace and uplifting and positive. Help me to fill my mind with thoughts that are pure and lovely and godly and full of truth instead of garbage. Help me, Lord. I am ready to act. I am ready to act. And some of you, my dear brothers and sisters this morning say, Lord, I'm ready to act. I'm not going to deceive myself that sitting under good Bible teaching or reading 
my Bible or being in a study is sufficient. I'm not going to do that anymore. And you know what? That's often when God says, now you're ready to be transformed. <laughs> oh, now you're ready. And our Father smiles when that's our heart. Did you catch this illustration? For, again, 23 and 24, it's like somebody who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and forgets what he looks like. <laughs> Some of us say, some morning, it'd be good if I forgot what I look like. Some days, you know. But the point that he's making is we see it and then we forget. We look at it and then it's gone. Why? Because we don't commit to do it. Because we don't commit to do it. That can be our problem. Verse 25, again, I love this. He goes on to say in verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but here he is again, doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. What is the perfect law that gives freedom? It's referring to the word of God, but most, most commentators, I agree with this, most of them think that it's referring to the fulfillment of the law through the person of Jesus. The full fulfillment of the law through Christ. Do you remember when Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, Matthew 5, 17. I came to what? I came to fulfill the law. I came to fulfill the law which is exactly what he did. Active listening, my friends, is doing the word of God, living the word of God. And that's ultimately what matters most. We go on in verse 26 as we see our third kind of listening, and I'm calling this applied listening. Applied listening listening. Those who consider themselves, verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. What James does here, I love it. I love that he does this. As he's talking about applied listening, putting into practice. He goes, let me give you three illustrations. This is not a, a complete list. But there, here's three illustrations. It's almost like James in his great wisdom said, Okay, let me, let me think of a couple of illustrations of how to apply the truth. Let me give you three. Three come to mind. And he gives us the first one. It's what I'm simply labeling controlled speech. Controlling your mouth. Controlling your tongue. It's like he's reflecting again on be quick to listen and slow to speak. Controlling your tongue. And those of you who know the book of James know that he devotes the first half of chapter three all about, quote, taming the tongue, right? 
controlled speech. Do you see the illustration he uses? He uses the phrase, put a tight rein on it. Those of you that love horses, you know what that is. It's the bit and the reins and it's the jerking on the reins when the horse isn't behaving. Put a tight rein on it. I love that. That's really good. We do sin a lot with our words, don't we? We gossip, we slander, we swear, we curse, we degrade, we denigrate, we destroy, and we do a whole lot of other bad things with our words. We do. Hope you can admit that. That's why he says put a tight rein on it. Our words are a direct reflection of how well we are living out God's word. That's what James is telling us. He then uses another illustration for us. Verse 27, when he says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. I so much like the NIV translation because other translations say to visit. Some of you know this verse, to visit. And that's not really the intent of what he's saying. He's talking about compassionate care. Compassionate care. One of the most beautiful things about our church, I absolutely believe this, is our heart and commitment to the vulnerable, right? To people who have needs. And that is a beautiful thing. And that's what the idea of looking after the vulnerable, the orphans, the widows, are just two examples here that he gives. And I think part of our journey, my mission point, brothers and sisters, is to continue to say, Lord, bring the vulnerable people into our path. But Lord, also help us to seek out the vulnerable people, vulnerable people so that we can show compassionate care to them. Bring them to us. Help us to have our eyes open to them. Isn't it interesting? You know, a lot of people don't like the word religion. I've heard for years, Christianity is a relationship with Jesus, not a religion. You know, I've heard that. Some of you have heard that. You've said that. And I understand the sentiment with that. But you know, he uses the word religious and religion in these two verses. It's how we live out our faith is really kind of the idea. And so he talks here about compassionate care. And then he gives us a third. And the third is um, simply what we could call committed purity. And to remain unstained, unpolluted by the world. A call to personal godliness and personal holiness. Here's a question. As I, as I studied this, here's a question that I asked myself. What percentage of scripture that I know do I actually live out? And some of us would say, maybe I shouldn't study the Bible anymore. <laughs> Wrong. We don't want to go there. What percentage of scripture that I know do I actually live out? So when I asked myself that question, I thought, 80%? Eh. 50%? Eh. 25%, maybe, a, maybe an eh, I, maybe a no. 10%, I don't know. 
I don't know. Because I'm not sure that I can quantify that. What percentage of scripture that I know do I actually live out in my life? I don't know that I have a specific answer to that, but what I know is it's a really good question for me to ask myself constantly. Why? Because we are to be doers of the word and not merely hearers. So here's another question. Is my character and lifestyle consistent with scripture on a regular basis? Can I kind of look at the pattern of my life and can I say, Lord, I want to be brutally honest. Is my character and my lifestyle generally consistent with truth? Am I on the right track and am I making progress in my journey? Now, I share that question with you not just to not, for you not to feel so beat up like I can feel beat up about where I am and where I should be. But again, I think we need to understand that this walk with Jesus, this transformation journey into the image of Christ takes a lot of time and a lot of years of walking with him. But I think it's very helpful and very profound for me to say, am I living the truth that I know? Am I living the truth that I know? I think with God's help, we can be on that path and we can grow. So here's a good life goal as I wrap up. Here's a good life goal. To be a great listener and a consistent doer of God's word. To be a great listener and a consistent doer of God's word. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to commit yourself before the Lord this morning as we pray in just a moment to do that. You know, again, I think it can be so easy for many of us, especially if you've grown up in a, in a good church and you've been around good Bible teaching much of your life, and many of you have been so blessed with that, and that's a wonderful thing. But do you understand with me that just because I've heard it and know it and understand it means I automatically do it? Is self-deception. Maybe the prayer, my friends, needs to be, Lord, help me to see, make it so clear to me, truth that I know that I need to live more consistently. And Lord, that might mean that it all begins with confession of sin. It might begin with repentance. Because I have very proudly, smugly, viewed myself as this person who is so knowledgeable of truth, and yet in reality, I've been pretty deceived because I'm not living it like I should. I need to confess, maybe you need to confess, that it's time to be every bit as passionate about doing the word as knowing the word. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, this message just 
in so many ways is so basic, so foundational, and yet the reason why it is so profound is because it is so deeply true. And Lord, we want to be great listeners, certainly to others, to bless them, to minister to them. We want to be great listeners to you because you speak the words of life, the words of truth, the words of eternity to us. And yet, Father, help us not to stop short of living it, of doing it, of making sure that we apply it to our lives. And Father, in a special way, I pray for any of my dear brothers or sisters this morning that maybe are, are living with quite a bit of deception, um, maybe thinking because I go to church or because I attend a, a Bible study periodically, it's all good. It's all fine. Lord, we're all on this journey. We all need to practice truth more consistently. And so, Lord, I commit myself and maybe this morning in the quietness of our own hearts, we're ready to recommit to being every bit as much doers of truth as those who want to know and learn it. Thank you for that beautiful reminder. And I am so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you've given us your spirit to help us be obedient to truth, to help us to be changed. We can't do it on our own, but your spirit who lives within us can change us. And we plead and we ask that he would be alive and active in us and that we would receive his strength and his power to say yes to your word and to live it out. Father, I pray for each one of us that we would have hope that we can grow, that we can change, that we can have victory in some of these areas in our lives where we just struggle and struggle. Thank you that you are our great hope. Thank you that you are our source of strength and power. Thank you that you are the one who transforms us to become like your son. May that be true in all of our lives. And as a result of that change, that transformation, above all else, we want Jesus to be exalted. We want him to be lifted up. We want people to see him in us that he may receive all glory and all honor. Bless my dear brothers and sisters this week, Father, and thank you again so much for the privilege of gathering and being with each other today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.